It's a pleasure to be here, and I have the distinct pleasure of introducing one of the country's foremost experts in uh, crimes against children, Camille E. Sparks. She's been a U.S. assistant U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Texas since 2005, and she uh, is the Project Safe Childhood Coordinator since 2009. Uh, her caseload is exclusively uh, child exploitation cases and successfully prosecuted over 100 offenders in that role. Uh, prior to her tenure as a federal prosecutor, she was an assistant criminal district attorney for Tarrant County District Attorney's Office. Um, she joined that office in 1995. She was a criminal court chief there and also uh, was assigned to the gang, narcotic, juvenile sections of the office and tried over 100 jury trials uh, in that row. She has taught and lectured at several different venues across the country, including the Texas State Bar, the National Advocacy Center, the Dallas Crimes Against Children's Conference, Internet Crimes Against Children's Conference and the National Strategy Conference on Combating Child Exploitation. Also, the Dallas Bar Association. Uh, Mrs. Sparks is a board certified in criminal law in the state of Texas. Uh, she has an eight year old uh, Tim at home, and her husband Drew has graciously shared her with us tonight. And so please help me in welcoming Mrs. Camille E. Sparks. Thank you. Wow, I've really done a lot. I must, you know, I think I started school when I was like, you know, three or something. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me here today. What I'm going to talk to you about is kind of a Debbie Downer after the Cowboys winning, um, but it's important. And as someone who has an eight-year-old child, um, it scares me every day to know the people that are out there. I exclusively prosecute child um, pornography cases, traveler cases, meaning people that travel to have sex with children enticement cases, again, people who get on the internet to try to entice either children themselves or the parents of children to, who uh, exploit their children for sexual escapades, things of that nature. It's hard to hear. It's hard to understand. Um, in fact, I'm going to get right to my presentation, but just to put it in a little bit of context, John Grisham recently came out this week and said he didn't understand um, why we are prosecuting people who look at child pornography on the internet, said those people are not predators. You uh, gave the example of someone who was looking, a friend of his who looked at 16-year-olds on the internet, and that person was put in prison. I'm here to tell you, as someone who has prosecuted over 100 offenders, the age is now at infant stage. We're not talking about 16-year-olds. They're infants, they're toddlers, they're very, very small children. I don't waste my time um, trying to get at people who are 17 and a half. Um, that's not what we're talking about with child pornography. 
So what we're going to be talking about today is the internet and some things that are probably a little bit closer to home for you in that you hear a lot more about them in your schools these days and there's a lot of big campaigns to stop them. So without further ado, um, everybody knows about the internet. Sorry, we're having... Is it a friend or foe? Can we change the slide? There we go. Um, But to give you some idea, 94% of teens aged 12 to 17 use the internet. That probably is low. I would say probably almost all of them do. Uh, Kids these days are digital natives. As someone who prosecutes these kinds of cases, I can tell you my son, who's eight years old, probably knows more about getting on my iPhone and finding the games and moving them around than I do. Um, So... Our kids are growing up knowing so much more than we are, and so we as parents need also to understand that they do know more, (laughs) and we've got to be aware of that. 84% of online teens have a social networking profile. Again, that may actually be low. I personally do not have one. I'm on LinkedIn, and that's about the only place you'll find me on the internet, and there's really nothing there. And that's just a personal choice because... Facebook has some problems with it, just like any social networking, because you can find out about it. But we're going to talk a little bit about how you can maintain your privacy on Facebook as well when we get into the presentation. 46% have open access to their online profile information. What that means is you don't have your privacy settings set. And anybody can get into your kids' information and find out what is on their Facebook page. So... These are all things we need to consider. The internet has provided us with wonderful opportunities, but it also has come with some risks. There are internet predators out there, and the other flip side of that is the universities and colleges know that our kids are actually using social media, and they check it. So... 27% of admissions officers routinely do Google searches, and they check Facebook. They also, 25% of the officers reported stated that they use social networking and find out what's going on there, and 38% of officers have reported application sites have had a negative impact on their admissions evolution. Nearly 80% of Fortune 500 companies search social networking sites before hiring, and one-third of those said they found information that caused them to toss out potential candidates. So it's more than just the sexual aspect of this. It's also the fact that people are aware that social networking is out there. They're going to look at your kids' profiles, and it may have an impact, hopefully not a negative impact, but if they're posting things, especially if you're not aware of it, it can hurt them and be detrimental. Today we're going to talk about cyberbullying, sexting, sextortion, internet predators, and the end game. What can we do about it? Cyberbullying is essentially when people get on the internet and they say ugly things to each other. Bullying's been around forever. But what's, I'll just ask you guys, what's the difference with cyberbullying? Well, how is that different from when we were kids? Yes. It's anonymous. So if you think back when we were kids, the big thing about gossiping about somebody is someone could eventually find out that you said it. 
But the internet has this idea that you were anonymous, no one's going to know about it. And so you can say some really horrible, hateful things to people, and maybe they won't find out who did it. Unfortunately, cyberbullying can kill. These are three pictures of three young, beautiful children that are not with us anymore because of cyberbullying. We're going to go through each one. These students are pledging to stop bullying at Crystal Lake Middle School. No one knew it then, but that very day, one of their former classmates killed herself. She was being bullied, the sheriff's office says, by girls at this very school. Heartbreak. At another rally, hours later, once her family found out what had happened. Because of her, I lost my sister. It was no secret that Rebecca Sedwick was being bullied. There were fights in school, and police say administrators even tried changing her schedule. Rebecca was hospitalized in December for cutting her wrists. Her mother eventually pulled her out of Crystal Lake Middle School altogether. She used to come home every day and tell me how she wasn't worth anything, that she was ugly. But the bullying didn't stop. It continued on social media. Some of the juveniles have told us that Rebecca was absolutely terrorized on social media by some girls. CNN was at this rally Monday where some students opened up about bullying at Crystal Lake. There were confessions and apologies, but police believe Rebecca was already dead. The sheriff says she jumped from the tower of an abandoned cement plant. Sheriff Grady Judd says laptops and cell phones from about 15 middle school girls have been confiscated as part of the investigation and they found messages sent to Rebecca on several social media sites. Messages such as, you should die, and why don't you go kill yourself? The sheriff says the night before she jumped, Rebecca sent a message to a 12-year-old North Carolina boy she had befriended online. She wrote, I'm jumping. I can't take it anymore. We can see from what, so, what we've investigated so far that Rebecca wasn't attacking back. She appeared to be beat down. She appeared to have a defeatist attitude. And quite frankly, the entire investigation is exceptionally disturbing to the entire investigative team. Rebecca's mother saw her alive for the last time that night on her phone, texting. So Rebecca's tormentor was a 14-year-old girl. Um, the bully posted a taunting message on Facebook the day after Rebecca's suicide. Yes, I know I bullied Rebecca and she killed herself, but I don't give a fill-in-the-blank. So these are children that, you know, it's not 16, 17-year-olds even. These are middle school children. And how horrifying that we could be in this meeting right now talking about bullying and somebody's out there being victimized. So it's important to realize that this can happen, and it can happen to any of us. Uh, the bullies were charged, two girls um, that bullied the 12-year-old. Here's another girl. Her name is Megan Meyer. She was an American teenager from Missouri. She hung herself um, weeks before her 14th birthday. The suicide was attributed to a cyberbullying through a social network, MySpace. 
Soon after opening an account on MySpace, Megan received a message from a 16-year-old boy named Josh. Josh became online friends, but they never met in person. And they had a conversation here. You know, I don't know if I want to be friends with you anymore. Everybody in O'Fallon knows who you are. You're a bad person. You guys can read this. And then, you know, she responds, you're the kind of boy a girl would kill herself over. The scary thing, um, she's found 20 minutes later. She's hanged herself with a belt. The bully isn't even another teenager. It's a mom. Um, she admitted creating the MySpace account to get information about Megan and later humiliate her for spreading gossip about her daughter. And then the last case that we're going to talk about today is Ryan Halligan. He was a 13-year-old boy. He's small for his age, had some developmental problems. Kids from the school found him online, and they began tormenting him. The bullying escalated, and he became the victim of taunts. The result, his sister found him dead in the bathroom. He had hung himself with her bathrobe uh, tie. And when they looked at the chat logs, he had been bullied. Again, these are all cases. Never forget the fragility of adolescence and Ryan Halligan. So these are all victims of cyberbullying. It's out there. And like uh, we were saying, it's, it's an, it, some people think it's anonymous, at least for the time being. And it can really victimize our kids. So what should we do? Um, what you can tell your kids is don't respond because as, as many of us know, when you're being bullied, the bully themselves, they want the response. They like to see that they're being, that you're, you are aggravated. Um, don't retaliate, block the bully, talk to a trusted adult, be a friend, not a bystander, save the evidence, don't be a bully, be civil. And those seem pretty simple, they seem pretty common sense to all of us, but we need to make sure that our kids know it. Because a lot of times it's very easy to turn the, other, you know, turn the other way and not talk about it. And one of the main things you can do is if you know about cyberbullying is report it to somebody. If, if you don't, you know, a parent, um, a friend, if it gets too bad, the police. Sexting is our next topic. This is something that really is becoming a difficult problem. I can talk about law enforcement here. I know a lot of the folks at the Dallas um, Internet Crimes Against Children deal with just piles and piles of sexting reports. They go into what we call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and these are kids that are sending nude pictures of themselves. And while I'm not here to tell you that the Dallas police are wanting to charge anybody who's doing this, it's a real big problem, and it can be a big problem on both sides of it. 20%, 22%, 18% of boys have sent or posted nude or semi-nude photos or videos of themselves. 39%, 37% girls, 40% boys have sent sexually suggestive messages. So it's not just a small percentage of folks. Um, you know, we've got to be on top of this. And again, we'll talk about some things that we can do about it. But I'm here to just kind of open your eyes about what's out there. take a picture of yourself and it could go around to every single guy in the school. I want him to like me more. He kept asking for pictures of me. He kept saying, well, nobody will find out. You won't get in trouble for it. When the 
Pictures have been taken, I never thought they would end up on the internet. They were trying to charge me as a sex offender because I sent the picture and I had sent it to another friend. Every person has experienced saying something or doing something where we thought, I really shouldn't have done that. Sometimes we can fix that. If it's something where we said something to a friend, we know we shouldn't have said it, we can go back, we can apologize. Sexting is different. Once it's sent, we can't take it back. We can't apologize. We can't take back the damage that's done once that picture of us is out there. I hate to admit that I wasn't a perfect teenager either. I suspect maybe one or two of you out here were not as well. Um, I'm so glad that this was not an option. <laughs> but it is for our kids. And so we, we really need to know what they're doing. We need to, if you are um, one that is buying your cell phone for your kid or you're the one paying the bills, you have the right to know what's going on that, on that phone or um, at social media. And so you need to understand that. If they're buying it themselves, I would suggest if they're living under your roof, it's the same thing. It's a personal thing. I can't tell you how to parent, but there are risks out there if you don't do it. Sexting, it's a mistake you can never take back. Like I said, when I was 16, there's some things I wish I could take back, but thankfully, um, they're not out there on the internet. If you do something like what these kids do, it can never, ever be taken back. And it will follow them the rest of their lives. And the unfortunate thing about teenagers is what? They're not fully developed yet. That's why they're minors. That's why we have to take care of them. They don't make good decisions a lot of the time. They're impulsive. Even the best kids, we know this, right? And so we've got to keep, try to keep a handle on it. They can have serious consequences, college applications. If they see that out there, it can be a very bad thing. You could be, you could be uh, expelled from school. You could be expelled from college. Um, future employment could be at risk. But also, you know, probably in some ways a lot more uh, detrimental is the emotional part of this. You're out, it's out there. People know that you've done these, you've taken naked pictures of yourself. You think it was only for my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and then it gets all over the school. And how difficult to go back to school in that. And something that Benjamin Franklin said, it takes many good deeds to build a good reputation, but only one bad one to lose it. And just to reemphasize, kids have difficulty making good choices sometimes. And the shame involved with doing this. Fellow students, older students, other, other students will be looking at this and go, and, and the shame will continue and you can get a bad reputation. Other consequences, Facebook and other postings can have serious legal repercussions. Um, I don't know if y'all have heard, it was just in the news today or this weekend that they are now suggesting that they will hold parents liable for some things that have been posted on Facebook by their kids. So not only legal consequences to your child, but you as well. If they are caught bullying, if they are caught doing things of that nature, you could be sued, potentially. Um, a, a California 18-year-old driver accused of hitting and killing a cyclist was charged with vehicular manslaughter, but the charge was upgraded to murder after prosecutors found his Twitter feed bragging about driving 140 miles an hour on Highway 5 and inviting followers to come on a death ride with me. So I will tell you that we often do look at um, 
our defendants' media sites to see what they're doing on social media, to see what they're talking about. So I'm not suggesting that you or your kids would get involved in that, but it does have legal consequences. Bless you. There are legal consequences of sexting, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because, as I said, at least as a federal prosecutor, I'm not here to tell you I'm going to arrest your kid for production of child pornography. But guess what? That's what it is. When you take pictures of yourself as a minor or someone tells you to take pictures of yourself as a minor that are nude, that's what we call production of child pornography. It's a 15-year minimum in the federal system. But again, I mean, I don't prosecute juveniles. So that's not going to be an issue, but I just want you to be aware that it's out there. We talked about that. Um, child pornography charges, possession of child pornography. If, if you are 18 years old and a senior in high school and you have pictures of a minor child, that is child pornography. That's possession of child pornography. And either they're at the state or the federal level, that could carry legal consequences. Sextortion, excuse me, is the next thing we'll talk about. It's a lot more frightening um, in the sense that there are people out there that know that kids are on the internet and they will do things to take advantage. So we've mainly been talking so far about kind of a boyfriend-girlfriend situation where someone may take nude pictures of themselves and goes to their boyfriend and then their boyfriend's not their boyfriend anymore and it gets out of over school. Sextortion is much more serious. Um, it's a form of sexual ex- exploitation that employs non-physical forms of coercion by threatening to release sexual images or information to extort sexual favors from the victim. At the park, on Facebook, even on a city bus, 20-year-old Jorge Ortiz befriended a dozen girls, mostly from Kearney Middle School. Juan, just 12 years old. I don't know until after everything was said and done that they recognized the magnitude of you know, what was really occurring. Ortiz molested one girl in a Commerce City Park. He asked others for naked pictures. Then came threats to stalk them or do something to their families. The victims tend to feel guilty for what happened, even though they didn't cause it. Ortiz carried out the threats. He posted nude photos of two victims on Facebook, and security cameras spotted him lurking around the school. When they can get away with it, the first step, then they go to the second step, third step, fourth step, and I think that's probably what was fueling um, his fire. Ortiz was charged with sexual exploitation and extortion, together, sextortion. As a parent, it's greatly disturbing. Unfortunately, I don't think it's unusual. Weld County District Attorney Ken Buck has also prosecuted a sextortion case. That predator? a California frat boy named Giovanni Alarcon. He actually asked her to perform um, acts of prostitution and send her videos of that. When Alarcon started demanding money too, the 17-year-old victim told her parents and police Alarcon went to prison. In another disturbing twist on this crime, some sextortionists are hackers, which means they can worm their way into your computer, extract naked photos without your knowledge. That's what happened to a Colorado School of Mines student who received a topless photo of herself along with an email threat saying, this is blackmail. If you don't send pictures of your genitals, then I will access your Hotmail and or Facebook and send topless pictures of you to everyone you know. Campus police traced the hacker's IP address to a 21-year-old Colorado Springs man. He's now a registered sex offender. It happens with both adult predators and then it happens with teens doing it to teens. Because if you're old enough to have a cell phone camera or a social media account, you're old enough to become a target. 
but not necessarily old enough to know how to fend off a predator. The last thing they want to do is come forward and say, I made this mistake of sending my naked picture out. That's uh, a very difficult position to put a kid in. But on top of that, I think students really are a little bit afraid to lose their phone or to uh, not have access to the technology because fear of adults overreacting. At Kearney, the adults did react without overreacting, and they shielded the girls from additional harm. Jorge Ortiz uh, had potential to be very dangerous. Fortunately, we stopped him before he took it to that last level. All the training in the world is going to come down to who can they tell and who's safe to talk to. So again, you know, there, there's so much involved, but we'll listen to one more One photo, um, video. the teen said, something Josie Harrison and Laura LaFay say they thought they were just sharing with their boyfriend at the time. But from that moment on, everything spiraled out of control. He was telling me, we'll get back together. It's how you can prove to me you really like me. And I was just very, very low and insecure at that point. And they just kept saying, it's how you can prove it. I'll, it'll all go away after this. I'll have to leave it as soon as I get it. And then more of them started harassing. The teens say things got so out of hand in the months to come, the boys at Klatskanai Middle and High School traded their nude photos like baseball cards and even competed for who could get the most photos of the girls at the school. So they continued harassing me about, oh, we have pictures of you. Why don't you just send more and then... I'll delete them as soon as I get them. Just send them so I don't have to show the world. The girls claim they tried to go to their principal for help, but even still, the bullying allegedly continued. The fear, anxiety, and embarrassment Laura LaFay felt from it all, pushing her to attempt suicide. So we, we have these people that are doing this, and, and we're seeing several examples of this. And again, I think that the main takeaway from this extortion things is we must have an open line of communication with our kids. The moment they do, you know, they have to know that even if they made a bad decision, even if they sent that original picture, they need to feel like they can come to us anyway or come to a trusted, you know, either an older brother or sister or somebody so it will stop because it can just generate out of control, as these cases suggest. Benjamin Rand, um, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, he, he looks like an innocent guy. Uh, he met people on Facebook, began private texting, grooming, and if you love me, you'll send me a picture. And this is pretty, you know, typical type behavior for somebody that's trying to, what we call grooming. You try to get them away from family and friends who might stop it, um, they promise all sorts of things under the sun. They pick on the most vulnerable. And, you know, that happens in my travel or in enticement cases, too, where a molester will pick somebody who maybe doesn't have um, or doesn't appear to have the, the support system that we would like them to have. But this person says, I've got you now. Once he had the images, he coerced her to take and send him more, threatened to expose uh, the images to her family and friends. And the dynamics of the relationship changed, and he began threatening, demanding, and degrading. Happy birthday. <laughs> and you can't see this very well, but these are just the chat logs that um, were going on with this man. Again, just very uh, egregious and, and threatening. The outcome, he was sentenced to 20 years for sexting and child pornography charges, um, and... 
as you can see, it's a good outcome, but there's a lot that don't end so well. And I'm here to tell you if a social media program has a chat function, the pedophiles know about it. They are trolling them, all of them. These are just some examples of the ones you may or may not have heard of some of them. Um, I've prosecuted cases on every single one of these. And they're Kick, Craigslist, Facebook, Motherless, Meow, Twitter. There are hundreds of other ones. Know that the predators are where the kids are and where the kids frequent. So you won't find me at Hurricane Harbor anytime soon. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Hurricane Harbor, but it's, it's just that they are there. They, you know, if you're a good parent and you're with your child and you make sure that they're not by themselves, you should be fine. But it's just, it's very, they go places where they know children may be by themselves and they may be vulnerable. Again, who's also on social networking sites? It's the guy that we always are afraid of. Um, just to bring it home a little bit, we've, we've seen a lot of videos about people from different places in the country this is a particular case. I can't tell you the names of the people because it's still pending. Um, the guy is still, in, he's indicted at this moment. He's, a, he's charged with attempted enticement and transfer of obscene material. And what he did is he gets on Craigslist to meet people. There are at least three victims that I know of, two of which he actually had sex with. Um, they're under 13. They're boys that he met, and, you know, however you feel about your kids getting onto these social media, I would submit that a 12-year-old, 11-year-old on Craigslist is too young, <laughs> and it, it is really a terrible, terrible story. The, the way that we caught him is that uh, I have an undercover uh, detective who does these cases, and he was able to catch him on Craigslist. So thank God for that. And that's why it's an attempted charge rather than a full-fledged full charge. It's, it carries the same uh, punishment. But again, the other troubling thing about this is one of the victims in this case, uh, he was saying he could not meet this defendant. And he said because he was babysitting his younger brother, who was nine. And the, the predator said, just bring him along. He can play with us too. So... This is in our area. <laughs> this is not some other place. This is right here in our community. So we need to understand that this is going on. Another case that has been resolved in our area is United States versus Valick. Um, it was not one of my cases, but one of my colleagues. He used images of an adult entertainer, a pornography star, I guess, to lure boys to be his Facebook friends. So he pretended to be a girl he got pictures from the internet of a, of, a, of a pornographic star, and these boys would talk to her. Um, the defendant used naked images of the entertainer to induce the boys to take nude images of themselves. Their foot, these victims were football players, student council members, neighbors, etc. Um, he was actually a 40-year-old man. And he did receive prison time, and he is a sex offender for life. So these cases are out there, and these are just two examples. I have several that I've prosecuted, and our kids are getting on social media, and they're finding these predators, and it happens. 
So what is the best way to protect the kids, our kids online? We've heard a lot of horror stories tonight already, and kind of, like I said, kind of a downer. I realize that. But the Cowboys won, right? <laughs> but there is a way to protect our children the best we can. There's nothing that's foolproof. And I'm not here to necessarily tell you about things that you can put on your computer to track. They, they do exist. Um, one thing I didn't know that I learned the other day, if you have Verizon, there are monitors that, you can put, that are already there that you don't even have to pay for as part of your program. So I'm not sure about the other cable companies, but there are ways to do that. But that's not really my expertise. I'm here to kind of give you more fundamental ways to do with it. But this is the easy way. We need to talk with them. We need to keep the, the communication open. And, you know, not encourage secrets. You know, even if it seems something, this was an, it's something that I said the other day when I was giving one of these presentations. My... Um, my husband doesn't like my eight-year-old to chew gum. I'm not that all tight about it. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. So he was chewing gum one day in my presence, and I said, well, let's not tell your dad. What did I do there? What did I do? I did exactly what I'm telling all of you not to do. And so I said, you know what, son? We need to tell your dad. You know, I shouldn't have let you do this. We shouldn't keep secrets, even if it's something simple, because that's how it starts. These predators will come in, they'll, they'll, find, they'll find the kid that can keep a secret. They'll find the child that won't go tell their parents, um, Joe, my football coach, gave me a candy bar, even though he knew that, that you said I couldn't have one. And if they find the kid that can keep a secret... And that's who, you know, that's the thing we don't want to do is have secrets, even if it is something that seems very benign and not that big a deal. So we need to make sure that our kids know that they can talk to us. And they think, you know, especially as teens, it's been a long time since I was a teenager, despite what I said at the beginning. Um, But I remember it was hard. You think your parents don't know anything. You know, what do they know about anything, right? They weren't, they were never 16. Um, And so they don't think they can, but they they really need to know that they can talk to you if there is a problem. Again, age-old parenting skills. There's nothing I'm telling you that probably most of you haven't heard. It's just like we, sometimes we get freaked out by the internet You know, we need to get involved in our children's online activity at home. How easy is it for us to say, oh, I've got to go make that phone call. Son, go on your iPad. Go play on your iPad for a while. And we don't have any idea what they're doing. You know, I'm guilty of it sometimes, too. Now, my son doesn't have any Internet access, so it makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, as he gets older, he's going to want that and, you know, when they get older, you think that they should have more responsibility. But you can, you can look at what they're doing. This is Facebook. As I said, I don't have Facebook. But one thing that we can all do as parents and model for our kids is make sure that we're not letting out too much information about ourselves and that we have our privacy settings. So your profile picture, what is this doing? Are, is your, excuse me, is your picture too sexy or revealing? Again, remember those uh, schools and jobs are looking at your Facebook profile picture. Are you using cartoons, drawings, or avatars? 
Does it indicate where you live? Is your picture in front of your house that says your address or something on it or something that gives it away where you live? Is there too much information? Don't include information that could be used to locate you in the real world, where you live, your cell phone number. Once again, predators and other criminals look for ways to get into your personal space. Should you use your real username? Again, I'm guilty of this somewhat, um, but think about that. And this is where your privacy settings are. Try to set them on completely private if you haven't already done so. You must add you, someone as a friend to see your, their profile. So again, privacy settings. Private means limited access. Everyone that has been accepted as a friend, do you know those people? When you get onto your kid's Facebook, Facebook account, do you know the people that he or she is talking to? Are they schoolmates? Are they people from the church? Are they neighbors or are they somebody you have no idea who they are? Make sure that your child friends you. <laughs> Especially if you have those privacy settings, right? You've got to be able to get in there. So make sure that you are friended. Now, I'm here to tell you they could create another Facebook account. And you may not know that. But again, you've got to keep the lines of communication open and be able to go behind them and look and see what they're doing. The comments wall, where users and friends can post messages. Are there inappropriate messages there? Once again, do you want an employer or a school to see something that's being said by your, your kiddo if it's inappropriate? What do you tell robbers when you post about travel plans? Oh, hey, this weekend, um, I'm going to San Antonio. Won't be back till Sunday night. Um, the, the door, you know, the key is underneath the mat. Just go ahead and come on in. Right now, I know you wouldn't do that, but you're give, you're you're giving everybody where you're going to be, and it's not just your friends and family that are looking at Facebook pages. What are you telling your coaches when you talk about last Friday's party? Once again, our kids who may go to parties, maybe they they had a drink, or maybe they saw a bunch of other people drinking alcoholic beverages. Coach isn't going to be real happy about that. I guarantee it. And can they be misconstrued? Um, this training day is up here because there was a policeman who was talking about how great training day was and how he liked to use similar tactics in his work. Well, if anyone's seen training day, not a real good thing to be cross-examined about if you're in a trial. So again, it's not just our kids. It's adults make mistakes too. We have to think about it. Ads and apps are from third parties like games and fan pages. If your child clicks on these or adds them to the profile, they may be allowing access to their personal information. So all these fun, cool things, tell them not to be getting onto those because they could get into your personal stuff. What kinds of photos is your child sharing? Who can see them? And this goes back to what we were talking about, some of these nude photos, things of that nature. Once again, I do see these in cases. They're not necessarily a case that I would be prosecuting, but it gives us an insight into a defendant if he's getting into people's Facebook profiles. I have a case right now, again, I can't talk about names, but a 40-year-old policeman was pretending to be um, an 18-year-old girl, and he was soliciting photos as this 18-year-old girl through Facebook. 
So it happens. These are kind of outdated pictures. <laughs> Who has a cell phone like that anymore? It's kind of... I, I mean, I actually, I'm not like that high tech. I still have like an iPhone 4, so it's a little embarrassing. But um, still, I think that one on the left is way, way old. And I actually have a Blackberry, but it's not really mine. It's my, the government gave it to me, so it's their fault. Um, but I do like the keyboard. So smart, cell phone and smartphone safety. The, the reason this is such a big deal, okay, this is killing me, um, is... Folks, the computer is not just in um, our living room anymore. It used to be pretty easy. Let's just keep the computer in the living room so we can be over our kid's shoulder. Now it's with them. It's mobile. Their phone has more uh, space on it than a lot of the first computers that we used to have. So you have to be very cognizant of what is on that phone. And once again, I think it's very important that you maintain control over that. And this is kind of hard to read, but this is what I was getting to earlier. Communicate up front with your child that you ultimately are the owner of that phone and should have access to it. I have a friend who's actually my my boss. He he made his kiddo who's 13 sign a contract. And it kind of laid out some of these things. It says, look, I'm paying for this phone. You will give it to me every single night, and I will look and see what you're doing. Now, is he going to look every single night? I don't know, but he can, and that's that's told to his son up front. The power of the Internet is now in your hands with a smartphone, so it's important to discuss what content they can download, what services they can use, and who they can talk to. Before you hand it over, especially to a young teen, make sure they understand you know, we assume that, you know, that our kids know about predators and they know about people that are literally out to get them. And, and we may have to soft sell it a little bit and say, look, there's people that just might want to invade your privacy and get to know you more than you want. Um, because if you give them big scare stories, they're like, oh, mom, that'll never happen to me, right? So, but it, it is something that, again, go back to, well, if your coach sees something that you're doing or someone that you care about, you don't want that out there. Set clear expectations with your child about when and where they're allowed to use the phone. Don't assume they understand the repercussions of their actions. For example, how photos they take can show up in unintended places. Kids don't think beyond this moment. And so they take a picture out at some party, and maybe they're not even doing anything wrong. But there's a bunch of kids in the background that are throwing down beers. Well, that's that's going to negatively affect them if that gets out. So you could just start a discussion with your kids. Um, What features do you use on your cell phone? Can you show me how to use them? Once again, folks, I'm I'm not tech savvy. I try to pretend like I am on TV or something, but no, I'm not. And so you have to ask them. It is scary that my eight year old knows a lot more than I do sometimes. Have you ever sent a text that was rude or mean? How many numbers do you have stored in your phone? Do you know them all in person? Our kids think that if they are friended by somebody, that's really their friend. Okay? And it happens all the time. I have 427 friends, they say. Really? (laughs) Where are these guys? How do you know them? What do they do? That, that doesn't, you know, but they think, oh, it's really cool. I must be extremely popular if I have that many friends. 
Has anyone taken an embarrassing picture of you without your permission? So you actually get them to talk to you. It's embarrassing sometimes, and they may shut you down, but keep asking. Keep asking. Because then they know that you care. Then they know that you want to know. And, you know, the way you do it, you each have a personal relationship with your child. You know the best way to approach that. But these are just some discussion starters for you. Have you ever talked with someone you first met online on your cell phone? You would be surprised how many people, and they may not be, you know, they may not be involved in any kind of trouble or no one may be after them, but they'll say, yeah, I called this person I met online. Well, how do you know this person? Well, they friended me. You know, you're just setting yourself up for trouble. So make sure that you, un- you know that. What would you do if someone sent you a text or picture that was inappropriate? Ask the question. Ask the question. So that is really all that I have today. Um, I hope that, that it was helpful to you. I want all of you to know that if you want any of these slides, I can get them to you. I can give you um, my information, which is on the next slide. I am Camille Sparks, and that is my email. Um, It's just my name with a dot in between at usdoj.gov. If you want any more information or if you have questions that actually might have occurred with your child or somebody that you know, please let me know. One of the big things, and I didn't really make a slide about this, is we've had folks call us and say, I, uh, my daughter was asked to take pictures of herself, and she did. Oh, who, who asked her to do that? Was, well, we ended up, we found out it was like a 28-year-old guy. Well, do you have the pictures? Well, no, we deleted them. One of the bad things about cell phones is it's very difficult to get deleted information. So if you get this stuff, keep it. Do not erase it. First of all, it's much, much easier for us to to deal with it when it's right there. But there's so many of our cases that we've had to piece together or not able to prosecute at all because the information was deleted. I know it's embarrassing. I know you don't want to see it. I know you don't want it out there. But if you want something to happen to it, or at least for us to investigate it and stop the activity, even if it's not necessarily a a situation where your kiddo would have to testify, please save it. And I'm here to tell you that I've never had to have a kid testify for me because when they're in the picture, picture's worth a thousand words, okay? The only time that they have to get up there, or they don't even have to, but they usually want to, is it's sentencing. It's sentencing they can stand up there and give what's called a victim impact statement. They're not cross-examined. They just get up and say, this is how this has harmed me. So these are just some tips, some ideas. It's pretty brief and broad. But the purpose of me coming here, in my mind, is to tell you the fears that are out there. Um, There's other things that we could talk about, but I think these are the ones that are probably the most pertinent to you as parents. And you're here which means that you're concerned and you're here to learn. So I really appreciate you being here. I'll stay after if you have any more questions or concerns that you have. And again, you can call me if you'd rather, or email me. Um, I won't be there tomorrow. I'll be in Wichita Falls. But um, I'll be there the rest of the week. You can leave a message with me. That is my direct line. You don't have to go through an operator if you need me to call you. 
Okay? Thank you so much.